got done with this when I got done with the winter it was time for the summer and I thought I would do a lot of things but one night I was working late Chrissy called me up to celebrate but now is a new beginning now I am working on a podcast about a car from the older days and I know it's gonna be okay now we're gonna talk about some new things and figure out what we're doing Cause we know we're gonna be okay One take Hi, I'm Miss Chrissy And I'm Steve And you're listening to Partners in Crime in the 19046, episode 64 Yep, this week, the Chrissy and Steve review of the classic film, Back to the Future. Yes, we're going to do that. Because the sixth grade had an outdoor movie night, and they were watching Back to the Future. So we thought it would be a perfect time for us to simultaneously watch Back to the Future from my couch with Amelia. Right? Yeah, actually, we watched it the same the same time. We were just yeah, off exactly. for like like an hour or minutes. something. Twenty Not minutes, even. twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So I don't know, think what... Jocelyn actually paid attention to the movie, but you know, whatever. Yeah, whatever, yeah. Jocelyn. <laughs> I had to buy it from Apple, or you know, I had to buy the episode because you could you couldn't find it streaming anywhere except I think Peacock with commercials, and I don't want to watch Peacock. I just have. I don't even yeah. know what Peacock is. It's it's like one of those streaming services that nobody watches. I guess that's why I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. We've got the whole trilogy, but we're only going to talk yeah. about the first episode. Keep this keep it short today. Okay. First we, the first we might movie. have to we might we, have to like dabble into the second one cuz we watched that on Saturday night cuz we're okay, like well, oh, we might so dabble exciting. into it. Well, okay. okay. Well, maybe it's back. Maybe it's two of the three. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll find out. Let's as find this out. Goes so on back, here. back I think everybody's everybody listening has probably seen Back to the Future, but is the story of a young man, a teenager named Marty McFly, from the year nineteen eighty five, who is friends with an eccentric mad scientist, Doctor Emmett Brown, who invents yep. a time machine out of a DeLorean, and through some mishaps, accidentally finds himself back in time. Marty does back in time in the year nineteen fifty five, screws up his entire existence by interfering with how his parents uh, met. And then he and the younger version of Doc Brown from 1955 have to both uh, get his parents back together and figure out how to power the uh, DeLorean time machine to send him back to the future. That's the story in a nutshell. And this, this is, in my opinion, a perfect movie. That doesn't mean there aren't like flaws in places you could probably find, right? And it doesn't mean it doesn't have a storied history because there's a great documentary on Netflix. They give you lots of behind-the-scenes stuff. But what's up on screen, to me, has always been like a perfect movie. What do you think? No, I thought it, it, it actually, like, seeing it again, you know, years later, I was like, man, this is a dang good movie. Like, really right. is. And what makes it so great is, I think, number one, it has one of the greatest scripts, I think, ever written. 
for this this type of movie for like a like a blockbuster movie. It's a high concept script because it involves time travel. Yet it is actually more of a character driven story. Yes. That the stakes are actually not that high when you think about it. It's mostly just about Marty and his his immediate family, his life, and Doc Brown. It's not world shattering. And it's also a movie where everything and like every scene, every scene is just so chock full of information and setups that then pay off later. Yeah, in the that film. part's really cool. Where like they yeah. like you know you, you you would know these the specifics of them. More I was calling them out. Clearly. I was calling them out I know, while I watched the movie. But you're like, oh, I was like, Amelia, look at, look at that. I was like, I look know, at that. Cool. Like a twin, like the Twin Pines Mall, yes. and then it's the Lone Pines Mall because Marty yes. runs over the tree in the past. And, oh yeah, spoilers, everybody, for a movie from 1985. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that is <laughs> that's something new. <laughs> yeah, he travels back in time, guys. Uh, Thirty-five year old spoilers. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and and the, this the the plot is it opens up in Doc Brown's workshop, and you get to see so many hints about the entire film. You see all the machines that he set up, so you know that he's this mechanical guy. You know he's like some kind of scientist or some kind of eccentric guy uh, that likes to automate his stuff. You know he's dabbling in different kinds of experiments. You see clippings on the walls, and they give you hints about what's going on. And Marty comes in and you know hooks up to the giant speaker that blows him across the room. Right, which also um, like sets up his like musical side. Yeah, exactly. Loud music um, and... and the clocks, clocks that are everywhere in this movie, yep. especially in that first scene. And he, and Doc calls him on the phone. Uh, do we have to explain to Amelia what the phone was? I think I he tried. Know, we, I think I tried. I don't think tried, like, yeah, every, every, happening. Yeah, that everybody had these phones back then. <laughs> yeah, they were in like <laughs> physical locations. You couldn't just carry them with you. And so he, you know, when he finds out he's late for school. I mean, it's just one of the many times where they're like referencing time because it's a time travel movie. I, I thought it was ironic when he gets to school. Maybe it's ironic is not the word, but I thought it was pretty funny that like he's called a slacker by Strickland like so many times in these movies. But is there anybody in the hist- in any of these Back to the Future movies who 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 works harder than Marty McFly does in these movies? No, I he is not a slacker. I mean, no way. You, you think he's like a slacker in like I'm sure he doesn't get his work in on time, and he probably oversleeps and is late. But that that little character is quite resourceful. I will tell you that if if I you know raised a child that was that resourceful and could problem solve that fast on their feet and kind of find their way out of any situation. Um, I would be very proud as a parent. Yeah. yeah, indeed. Actually, Martin McFly kind of reminds me of you. He's a, he's a, he's usually, he's generally cool as a cucumber in these ridiculously tense situations. He usually <laughs> keeps his head. He's resourceful, but he, he just does what he has to do. He's, he's very good with people. The perfect plot of this movie uh, is really probably the highlight for me. Uh, however, I think it also has perfect casting. I mean, I know that there there was different casting originally from Martin McFly, but Michael J. Fox, I, I can't imagine anybody else as that no, character. he's awesome. He's uh, kind of amazing. I mean, yeah, I'm and Christopher kind of Lloyd. Amazing. I mean, I can't can't imagine anybody else. In fact, I can't really imagine anybody else in any of the roles. The Biff guy. <laughs> I don't yes, know what his uh, name uh, is. Th- Thomas F. Wilson, I believe his name is. Yeah. He plays Biff. I, I bet he he's gotten crap probably his whole life for being that character. <laughs> He's, he's so good at it. He did a great job, though. 
And then, uh, yeah. yeah, and I think in real life he's actually a really nice guy. But uh, he plays the literal, a literal psychopath. I think yeah, <laughs> this movie, this total movie, a hole <laughs> in, in a in a movie that's full of generally realistic ish ish people. Aside from like you know the main, everyone's a little eccentric. Like Doc Brown builds a time machine. Okay, that's part of the high concept. But like his parents aren't crazy people. You know, no one else he interacts with is a literal like psychotic except biff and not just biff like every member of his family like it's genetic or something yep which which i think is very funny and i i don't know if they're intentionally playing around with that concept in these three movies about like what is destiny and what or what is you know fate. no they had to be because had when, to be, right in the in the yeah. other movies like you know when the movie first starts out you know like marty's life is all like less than perfect you know what i mean his yeah, like yeah. His, you know, his mom is drinking in their house. It's crap <laughs> and blah, blah, all blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. But then once he fixes it and then he has like the nice life, then that th- those problems seem to go away. Yeah. Then, well, in the second movie, when her life goes to shit again, she's back to being an alcoholic. Well, yeah, I'd be an alcoholic too if I was married to Biff. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> I but, agree. But, but the, the, the thing about Marty is I, I've always wondered, Marty is like the best McFly in all three of the movies, right? Isn't he like the best McFly? He, and he's his influence on his ancestors and his parents like has an effect on them, right? And I, I always wondered, is this because he just happened to be the, the best of the McFlys? Like he's he seems to have the like his head screwed on straight as it were like in the first movie? Or is it because of the influence of his friendship with Doc Brown? Because they influence each other so much in the movies, it's hard to tell. I think the uh, that one... adventurous, you know, wherewithal. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like that tenacious yeah. thing. That's got to come a little bit from Doc Brown. You know, the influence. I mean, because he's yes. a crazy person, man. He steals plutonium from terrorists, <laughs> and he's like completely like he's making a joke about. It. I was like, yeah, man. I just gave him gave him uh you know like a tube with like pinball parts they're like how he's like james bond in that respect like how cool under pressure do you have to be to like hire yourself out to build uh to build something for terrorists and then just screw them over and steal their plutonium like that that whole plot point in the first movie now they they quickly dropped that because i think it was just too difficult to keep figuring out where they would get plutonium or something from uh but i always thought that was nuts i was like wow and marty's just like completely cool with it kind of i mean you know it's he he he, the thing about this movie is nobody quite acts as uh i think surprised as maybe you would expect with the crazy shenanigans going on no that's why i'm thinking maybe they're just used to the crazy adventures maybe there's like all the stuff that happened you know we didn't see that was just not quite as crazy as time travel um maybe i don't know i I don't know the cartoon they get into crazy adventures there's a great cartoon cartoon Oh yeah, it was a great cartoon I used to watch. Right. Oh, when was that? Was it when you were the nineties? Yeah. Oh, in the nineties. Yeah. Oh, I also thought it was hysterically funny that you know the the second Back to the Future happened in our past. <clears throat> oh yeah, well, <laughs> I was at a uh, a conference the day that Marty McFly arrives in 2015, and there was a bunch of us there. We were all nerds because it was a geeky conference, right? Yeah, and wasn't we- it my birthday? Now one of these dates, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, and we we all we all had to we all took a moment, I think, to recognize the event. Yeah, you know, I he, I, he, I mean, I think arrived. I saw the second movie at some point, but I definitely wasn't paying attention. Um, really, that was that was my favorite movie growing up. Like the think the second one. 
the second watch it all the time just see that just to see the the future i always wanted them to show more of the future and well, uh you know their future was scary some of times. it they had hoverboards Dude, um i remember as a kid there was some kind of fake documentary they made i swear that i'm not i'm not imagining this i think they made a fake documentary about hoverboards that was like that i i think convinced everybody that was all the kids it was real and i remember seeing it um I, I don't remember what it was called. I'm trying to look it up right now. <clears throat> Somebody did it. Well, don't they have something that's like a hoverboard, but it doesn't actually hover? Well, they have something in real life called a hoverboard. But uh, right. I, I thought I thought that there was a, uh, a fi- I thought there was something that I remember when I was a kid seeing, like the real hoverboard from Back to the Future thing. I don't think I'm I'm making I don't think I'm making that up. Do you remember anything? I don't like that? think you're making it up either. To be honest. But yeah, I, I mean, could be I, completely wrong because I don't pay attention very often. I don't know. I I just remember seeing something about it, but but who knows? I just remember the hoverboards were the coolest thing about the part two. But besides, and that brings me to the practical effects. The effects in these movies are so good; they hold up today. I mean, sometimes you can see a compositing error, you know, because they had to use optical compositing. So it's like, okay, you can see that. But there's a scene where the you know, like, like for instance, when the DeLorean is flying and it's coming in off from the right hand side of the screen. I don't remember part one or part two and, and it has to land and then keep driving forward. And yeah, you can kind of tell when it, the composite happens, but it's very, very good and it's not distracting and all the practical effects are great. I mean, it still looks like he's on a hoverboard the whole time because it was a practical effect. They were just holding them up and the DeLorean looks amazing because everything there was practical. Uh, so it's it's uh, is that what you that mean really by helps. a practical effect? It's like an Not, actual effect rather than like a CGI thing. Yeah, yeah. Is that or what even, you mean? Yeah, it's a real like they used real like a real DeLorean. They really built like a real uh, like props, like they real these props objects. and stuff. Yeah, and they they have the actors in the scene interacting with physical objects, and then they do some optical effects too. But I don't know if they even had CGI at that time. You know, before I met you, I didn't know what CGI was. Wow. Well, or what it stood for. Wow. Well, I, I don't know. Like I said, don't pay Interesting. attention too much. Interesting. Yeah, anyway. You're like, look at all this CGI thing. I was like, what the heck is he talking about the CBGBs <laughs> for? CBGBs. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I think that, that all those effects really help the movie to hold up. Because like you like a movie like Tron, which I love that movie. It's effects are so dated that you have to kind of watch it with an appreciation of those effects or it just becomes distracting because it's just it's just all really early CGI. It's impressive for the time, but it can be very distracting. Whereas you watch Back to the Future, you just get lost in the story. Like they could, they could yeah, almost have made this. Yeah, I didn't even notice. Yeah. Yeah, they could have almost made this movie today. In fact, I think this is the first time I've seen this movie on a, on a nice television. Like you have a like a 4K, like HDR. It's not even like the best television ever, but it's a lot better than mine. And I don't remember ever seeing this movie so sharp and having such like good colors and contrast and stuff. So it was a real treat for me visually. Uh, and besides the visual stuff, I mean, this has one of the greatest soundtracks ever, I think. Yes. Yeah, there's some really good music in there. I'm going to yeah, say. The, really this, good music. Or the great, the, it has these great little audio cues that come up. It has the, oh, it's just so perfect. So the the whole the whole movie is, is a tight, kind of thrilling ride, but it's it's 
there's always like that ticking clock in the background, so there's a little bit of tension. It's the story's always driving forward. It never gets gets lost or gets stuck anywhere. There's like no wasted scenes. I, it's it's really an amazing film, and I think uh, it's why it's probably studied in film schools, you know, to this day. And I will tell you, if it wasn't a decent movie, no tween would make it through a movie from the '80s because they just can't stand the way they look. You know, they're just yeah, <laughs> they're so used to like you know the way. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. You compare Back to the Future to the modern day films, man, and it's just modern movies suck. So many of them <laughs> just so bad. Like even the ones that are big blockbusters are just so bad. Like there's nothing to them. This movie is a is a a movie about uh you know a guy and his family and you know he he learns that his parents had dreams you know before him and that you know they that things happened in their life and they ended up not where they wanted to be and but through his interaction with them in the past he learns about them and they learn to be like appreciate each other I guess and become better people. Uh, you know, so that when he goes back to the future, he obliterates whatever Marty was there. But <laughs> I'm not going to get into that, the time travel logic. But uh, he gets back to the future and things are better for him, you know. Uh, and his father writes a book, you know, he, yep. like accomplishes some of the things that he was doing earlier on. And that's because of his influence. Yes. Uh, which, which I, you know, I think is a, it's, it's cool. I think it's a good message because it, it, it although the movie's, the movie's always playing with, I think fate and everything in the end, I think it comes down pretty strong on the side of a team free will and uh, that your choices really do make a difference in how your life ends up. I mean, I think so. I think there in a way, I think it kind of goes both ways because it's like there's your choices are constrained by your circumstances and all, but, but uh, you know, his parents got influenced by him, but they still chose to, you know, be better people in the future. Something, something about their experience made them pursue their dreams more than they did the first time around, the first time loop. Yes. Whatever. So I like that. And Marty, I mean, he's making choices throughout the entire film. I yeah. like how, how quickly he thinks on his feet. That's my, yeah. one of my fa- favorite attributes about him. Yeah. And um, I really I like liked... People I would, who uh, can figure things out. <laughs> yeah. And I, I always really liked Doc Brown. Because he was uh, the scientist who really you know, had all the pictures of famous, <laughs> famous scientists in his home, and he was always trying to trying to build things, make the world better. It was very cool. Yes. There's a lot of good stuff. It, I just this movie just it just has so much good stuff in it, and it has like a a feel good quality to it. Yeah, also, but not which is awesome. But not in the way that they intentionally try to make these feel. No, 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 not like oh, this is our yeah. No, no, no. In like a a more genuine sort of way. Yeah, it it feels good because things work out in the end, but it doesn't. It feels like it was earned. You know, like Marty and and Doc Brown, they go through kind of hell to get to that ending. They're constantly overcoming like ridiculous obstacles. You know, and, uh, you know, if you think about it, you know, Marty has to go and he has to get his, he's, he's only there for like a week in relative time. Yeah, and he has you to, think he has about to, how much crap he goes yeah. to go through. And he, uh. he has to, yeah, he has to get his two parents to fall in love and kiss at a very specific dance at the end of that week while Doc Brown has to invent an entire way to power 
a device that he has no understanding of before, you know, that he only just conceptualized the day Marty comes back. And, you know, and then he, you know, he has to climb up on a clock tower and, and like slide down a cable and, uh, you know, do all kinds of stuff, which uh, in one week on no notice, tell me what one of your favorite scenes was. Oh, well, it definitely has to be the, the, well, both times the like skateboarding slash hoverboarding, you know, through, yeah, and, the, and driving into Menorah. Yes, through town scene. Yeah, yeah, that's like very iconic. Oh, it and the, and the dance at the end. Well, yeah, dance. I was going to say his guitar riffing is always one of my favorite yeah. things. Is playing the guitar and uh, and yeah, like, that was one of my favorite one of my favorite scenes. It, the whole the whole dance sequence. I remember as a kid, I got I was like, you know me, I don't like scary movies or things that are like too intense. I don't know why I'm like a wimp like that. But um, the whole clock tower scene, you know, where he's like climbing up the yeah. thing, used to make me so nervous. <laughs> I remember and, that as a well, kid being like, oh my god, yeah, and you know, like that, you know, going into this movie that it's going to work out. You know that, and even knowing that. Even today, after how many times have I seen this movie? I, I can't even count. That still is a tense sequence. It's still a tense sequence for me. And that goes to just how wonderfully it is It is filmed and, how, and acted, performed, and the musical cues. And just everything works so well that by the time you get to that part of the film, you're totally invested. Like, the story is brand new to you. At least that's how I, every time I watch these films. It's, it's one of those rare films that's never old for me. Like, I can sit down and watch the whole thing from start to finish whenever. And I'm not bored. And, and well, that's, that's rare, I think, in, in filmmaking. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed re-watching that. And, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely um, Biff is a psycho. Totally. <laughs> Nobody would ever let that guy just wander around doing the crap he does in these movies. I don't, th- I don't believe it. Mm, the, guy, the guy would have been expelled in prison. Uh, yeah. Comes from a long, a, a long line of yikes. Yeah, a long line of yikes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. The whole lineage oh of yikes there. Yeah, so, yeah. I guess we're gonna wrap up this uh, this episode. Um, what, what do we usually say at the end of our our stuff, Steve? That you usually do that, not me. If you haven't subscribed already, subscribe at partnersincrime.show. You can. Check out what we're doing at the Jengtown Arts Garage at jengtownartsgarage.com or Jengtown Arts Garage on Facebook or the Insta for the uh, Facebook for the boomers, Insta for the teens, right? Nice. Or is Facebook not even used by teens anymore? No. Doesn't matter. Our listeners are all in their 40s. <gasps> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh... Now we're